You are listening to Squid and the Ultimate Leafs fan. Hello, Canada and hockey fans of the United States and Newfoundland. And an extra big hello to Canadian servicemen overseas. All right, welcome everyone to Squid and the Ultimate Leafs Fan Show. I'm Mike Wilson, the Ultimate Leafs Fan, and joining me as usual, my co-host, Ricky Squid Vibe. Squid, how's that book tour coming? Uh, coming pretty good, Mike. Uh, a lot of work, a lot of interviews, a lot of Zoom things and so on. And uh, But you know what? It's, 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 it's going pretty good. I, I'm enjoying doing the interviews and after the first week, I think they put them into categories like uh, sports, nonfiction, or yep. whatever it might be. And after the first week of the release, it was the 10th best-selling book in the country. So I guess I got to say it's doing pretty good. That's not bad. That's not yeah. bad. Now, listen, there's something different about you. What does what this look like? Uh, well, I, I got the, the hair all done today. Uh, and I got yeah, it chopped yeah, yeah. off a little bit. It was getting a little bit long. And, uh, <laughs> you know, down here in Niagara, we're you know, a little bit more, I, I don't know how you put it, cautious or smart that we, we're not totally shut down here. So, so I can go and get my hair cut. Well, isn't that nice? Well, you know, you're a media star now, right? So you have to look good. <laughs> <laughs> you have to look good. Well, today we have a little different type show. We've had a lot of requests to hear a conversation. We, well, actually, let me check that, that I had through technical difficulties, my partner, was cut out of this conversation with uh, Leaf star Austin Matthews a number of months ago. It was for another network. We do have that for you guys today to listen to. It's pretty good. We think it's insightful because it was during the lockdown period and they're basically in lockdown period now again and, and doing some training on their own. So we think you'll enjoy that. And so I'll have a listen to that in a few minutes. But a couple of things, our new, a couple of our new segments here. Um, today, December the 5th in 1972, Dave Keon became the first player in Maple Leaf history to score 300 goals and also and the 17th player to do that in NHL history. Wow. Not bad, eh? Yeah, that's uh that's that's surprising, really. Do you think about it? That he was only the 17th player. Mind you, I mean, back before that, they didn't play that many games, but, but that's still pretty, that's pretty cool. That's not bad. And today on this day, on December the 5th, is the first time in NHL history, this is going back to 1925, by the way, first time in NHL history, a team from New York faced a team from Toronto and the Leafs beat them. How about that? And yeah. the Saint, that was the St. Pat's, by the way, that beat the New York Rangers. Um, That's good. The old Rangers team. And the last one here, here's one that uh, we love this name coming up all the time. Mike Keenan. <laughs> became just the second man in NHL history to coach his eighth team. Now here's the, and he actually was coaching Florida at the time. Here's the question for you, Squid. Who's the other player? Who's the other coach that coached eight teams in the uh, NHL? Oh my goodness. He coached I, Toronto. One of them, he coached Toronto once in his first NHL jobs with Toronto. I'll give you that hint. In the seventies. You know him. Oh, uh, you almost said it. Roger Nielsen? Exactly. Now really? it's a little bit. Well, it's a little bit of a, because I think near the end before he passed, he coached two games in Ottawa. Oh, okay. To be the eighth team in 2000 and 2001. But Keenan actually coached Calgary his last stop and he coached the full season. So, oh, Mike got around, that's for sure. <laughs> well, it's now, like one of those things where, 
you know, the, I mean, all coaches have a shelf life, you know, and some are longer than others. And back in those days, you know, Mike was one of those coaches that kind of, you know, had a three-year sh- shelf yeah. life. And uh, if he had success, he could hang on for four, maybe five. But but if he didn't, uh, he would wear out his welcome after three years, and then he'd have to move on somewhere else. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, he lived that run right to a T, that's for sure. So. Yeah. Now the other other side, we've got a lot of responses to our to for questions for the week, and this week we decided to go overseas. Uh, we got a chap by the name of Elliot Hall from Sheffield, England, oh. who sent us a question. Yeah, I mean, Leaf Nations has no boundaries, as you know. That's everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> now the thing is, this is a question we may get to because actually, what we're going to do once we finish this, there we're going to well, we'll get to that in a second. We're, there's a poll that we're going to do today uh, before we bring Austin on, but. What the question posed to us today is, what do either of us think of the reshaped Maple Leaf squad? Well, I, I mean, first of all, it's hard to kind of, you know, say how they're going to do or, or what have you. But, you know, I think they've added some much needed leadership, uh, some older guys that have been to the finals and, you know, have gone through that kind of stuff, which I think, uh, and I've been on teams that, that were really defensively sound. And, and I think that is going to be very interesting because, you know, they're going to have to buy into the fact that they're going to have to play at both ends of the rink and be 200 foot players. And I think maybe these guys maybe might be able to get some of those guys up front to thinking that way, and maybe they'll become a better defensive team. So, but they're going to have to, in order to win, in order to win in the playoffs. Uh, you don't win by scoring six, seven goals in playoffs. You win by by playing good defense and allowing two, three at the most, sometimes one or, or zero. And if you don't do that, you're not going to win in the playoffs. Well, the thing about it, too, is I mean, I like the fact, I mean, I think the moves they made, as we've talked about on the show many times, is, is the first move they made moving Kappen in to, give, to free up some space right off the bat, I think, was very critical in what Dubas's attempts were to, to, to improve the team over the offseason. But the fact is that they've created depth. And the window that he's worked in, as far as the salary cap goes, I think he's done a pretty strong job because he didn't have a lot of room. And the moves he made, I think, were pretty impressive. Yeah, I- I mean, I like pretty much all of them, to be quite honest with you. I mean, TJ Brody, Brody's a great defenseman. I mean, he's a real solid defenseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be good. But Gojan, you know, I'll, I'll have to wait and see on that because he did struggle big time in Buffalo. But then, you know, he played pretty good in Tampa last year. And in the playoffs, he, he did a pretty good job for them. Um, so, you know, with that, Simmons, I think, is going to add some much-needed uh, – grid up front uh like to see him maybe as a guy that's in front of the net in the power play because he's been playing there for many years and and has had a lot of success so yeah i I think he's done a pretty good job joe thornton obviously is gonna you know uh i mean he's gonna be a factor there's no question he's gonna be able to fit in and ship in a little bit here and there um but at the end of the day uh these guys that are in their top six forwards and their top four defensemen are going to have to carry this team if they're going to get over that hurdle and get past that first round. Well, I think on that note, we will, what we'll do is we'll take this to the second phase because we want to address a lot of these things because what we're going to do today is uh, our friends at the Sun, uh, Terry Koshin actually posted a 
poll the other day and it says you can be the boss for the day. So what they're doing is where they've sent a whole pile of questions and everything critiquing the lease on the moves they've made in the off season and to moves they possibly can make going forward. So Squid, you and I are going to take this uh, questionnaire today and see what we can come up with. The first question we the first question we just basically answered, it was about what the moves were in the off season and how do we think that Dubas fared. So I think we've kind of answered that one. So question number two, I'll throw this one at you first, was which new player outside of TJ Brody do you expect to have the big, a biggest impact on the Leafs? Um, you know what? I, I think, well, I'm going to have to go with two guys, and that's Thornton and Simmons. And I think mm -hmm. mainly because Simmons, because of the way he plays, uh, he's a guy that they needed badly, that type of player. He's like another Zach Hyman, uh, but unfortunately not quite as young and not maybe, well, he, he's actually pretty quick. He's got pretty good hands. He's a pretty good player. I mean, he's getting up there in age, but I think he'll help. And, and Joe Thornton obviously will help with his passing ability, mm -hmm. his ability to see the ice and his leadership. And, you know, Joe has been to the finals a couple of times and uh, he's been to the semifinals on, on a few other occasions. So he knows what it takes to get there. So he can help with that as well. Yeah, I, I would agree with that assessment. Um, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty much is whatever they can get out of these guys with little remaining they have. And these guys are definitely on their last legs, so to speak. So as much well, the as they other, can... the other two guys, Vesey and uh, VC and uh, Bergosian, you know, the, I mean, we're going to have to wait on those guys. I mean, VC, yeah. you know, is he going to be a factor? I don't know. I mean, is he even going to play that much in Toronto? Is he going to be a kind of an extra forward? Bergogian, the same thing as a defenseman. Uh, you know, if he if he plays like he did in Tampa last year, then he he might be in the top four. If he doesn't, like he, if he played like he did in Buffalo, he might be in the press box. <laughs> so, well, that's I mean, and again, that's why you have this competition for it, which leads us right into the next question: is with Riley Brody and Muzzin as the top three defensemen, who are the next three? So, I mean, I my I would start this one off as I think that. You know, Bogosian's going to be in the running, but you got to speak about Lettinen and Hall. But I would pick, I'd take uh, Hall, Dermot, and Bogosian to start right off. Lettinen, he's going to be in the mix, but I'll pick yeah. those three because they're basically proven, and I, I think that's the way they'll start the season. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what I have circled here too, Mike, to be honest with you. And I think, you know, I don't know Lettinen. I've never seen him play. I mean, obviously, the, uh, everything I hear is, is real positive. But mm -hmm. you don't just come over from Europe and all of a sudden most guys start, you know, becoming great players in the NHL. It takes time to adjust. So, yeah, I would think that those three guys will probably be the next three. But, you know, maybe he surprises us all and comes in here and, and ends up uh, as the fourth or fifth defenseman. So uh, we don't know that yet. I mean, we do want that to be the problem, by the way, because that's nothing well, yeah. better for nothing better for a team to have that surprise guy come out of camp that just makes the team and makes an impact. And if I had to pick a guy, he would be the guy that that could be. That that would be yeah. the guy I would probably pick. Now, moving to our next one, it says uh, Dubas said the Leafs had to become much tougher to play against. What level of confidence do you have that he addressed this pro problem? Well, you got high, average, and low, and I got mine somewhere between high and average, <laughs> yeah. kind of right in the middle of that, because 
you've got to, I mean, I think he's brought in some of the necessary parts that he needs to. And I think he's improved their defense by quite a bit, actually, over last mm -hmm. year, as far as their depth and, and, and uh, goals and everything. If they ha happen to have injuries, I think they've got enough depth to think their defense is pretty strong. Mm -hmm. But again, uh, you know, I, yeah, I think he's done a good job. And, and I, but the whole team has to buy in the fact that they all have to play 200 feet and they have to become a better defensive team. Otherwise, they're not going anywhere in the playoffs. And that's part of the thing is that, you know, if they play good, solid defensive hockey as an entire team, they'll get over that hump and get out of that first round. And, and who knows what happens after that? Well, I'm with you on that. I mean, I, I would, I would say I would, you know, I, I would just take the wait and see sort of approach, not to be chicken about this, but go with average as far as being a little tougher to play against, because it all depends on what you just addressed with uh, Thornton and Simmons, who, again, how much is left in the tank with these guys. And if mm -hmm. they play to the potential that is almost expected why they were signed and the other players pick up on that, then that my average can be moved to above average very quickly. And, yeah. and we'll notice that probably within the first dozen or so games. Now on that extent, if they play, if they, well, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. We're, 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 throw, we're, thought I'd throw that in there. We're basing all this on the fact that there is going to be a season, which I think there will be. Yeah. Um, now we've, we've kind of addressed this next one about how he's improved the team defensively. So we'll leave that one, but Consider what we know about the offseason additions. Here's a loaded question for everybody. If we could turn the clock back to the beginning of October, would you have made would you have traded Nylander to take a harder run at Alex Petrolangelo? Yes or no? Wow. You know what? That is a tough question. It is. Like, it really is. I mean I'm with you. But I would think, I guess if it was me looking at the depth that I think they have at forward. I probably would have tried anyway mm -hmm. to see if I could get some prospects, some good prospects and maybe high draft picks. And then, like you said, take a run at Petrangelo for your defense. And then, uh, but, you know, I mean, who knows what he would have commanded to come to Toronto. I mean, I, I don't know. What did he sign for in Vegas? Nine and a half nine. or nine. So, you know, that's a pretty high number. He probably would have had to shed more salary in order to acquire them. Well, remember and, tax uh, benefit too, right? So the tax benefit adds. Yeah. 30%, that adds a big number. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I would have been inclined to, to at least try and see what I could get for him. And uh, if you can get a couple of good prospects and, and a, a first round pick or something, then, you know, maybe you do it anyway uh, because you're getting a good return and then it gives you an opportunity to go and sign. If you don't get Petrangelo, then maybe you get, you know, somebody else, another better defenseman. Well, I wouldn't mind them getting Nate Schmidt, actually, when they just gave him away to sign Petrangelo. I think I would have done that. But Yeah, or Krug. <laughs> or Krug. But, yeah, I, you know, that that is a tough question. And I would have been almost inclined to take the opposite side of that. And I would have said no. Only on the understanding that there's no guarantee you would sign Petrangelo. You're, all you're going to do is free up some money to sign him. And I'm telling you, you're taking a big risk signing the guy. He's going to, he would have wanted a big number and you're tying two very high profile players up that are in the, let's put it in their thirties and Petrolangelo and Tavares that 
could be declining assets in a couple of years. And that's a lot of cap space to be tied up in, in two players that may not be playing in four years. So, well, yeah. And that, you know, that's a big thing. Like you say, I mean, I, like I say, I would have explored it to see what it could fetch out there. Yes, exactly. And, and I, if, I agree the, with that. if the return was really good, I would have done it just to get that, that cap space open and I'm not saying I would have signed Petro. I mean, I wouldn't have given him a seven-year deal. No chance. I mean, not at his age, you know, but with all that extra money, a guy like Krug, who's not yep. quite that age, and, and, and a couple other young maybe guys that are out there, uh, you know, could have eaten up that seven point whatever million or whatever that you just got rid of. No, I'm with you on that. I mean, that would have been made, and especially if you get a nice return coming back, you can't turn it away. And I mean, yeah. that, that, and, and but again, if and if you're not getting a good return, you go, okay, I'm not doing it. And by the way, it, it doesn't mean you have to do anything right now. You can wait till the season starts or, and, and use those assets or what you've freed up later on, because yeah. there's going to be some teams that are going to be moving players at some point, as you know, they always do. So speaking of moving players, the next one's about the goalie who is very controversial in the off season. And a lot of talk about possible trade with goalies and his name was obviously mentioned, but nothing happened. So should the Leafs have kept him or not? Yeah, I believe they should have. I mean, uh, you know, first of all, you're looking forward to the expansion draft when Seattle comes in. And, but Freddie's a good goalie and Freddie has played exceptionally well for Toronto since he's come over from yep. Anaheim. And, you know, I mean, I mean, the guy on, on a lot of nights, uh, faces anywhere between 30 and 45 shots on any given night. And, you know, his goals against and his, his uh, save percentage are, are still pretty good. I, I say, no, I wouldn't have definitely wouldn't have traded him because you don't want to leave two of your young goalies exposed for the expansion draft. So if Freddie, you know, has a decent year and they're able to re-sign him, then you put Hutchison on, uh, on the list to be picked up by Seattle, if in fact they choose. Yeah, yeah, and they've got, and they've got, they've, they've, they've dealt with that with uh, some of the couple of the offseason signings. So I think there is some yeah. room there for the Leafs to do that. And goalies are a very different breed. Have to see how the year plays out. There's going to be a number of free agents next year, so this is the problem you're going to deal with mid-season, yeah. I think. And that's that's, I mean, that's how we really have to kind of leave it at this point. Uh, the next question about contracts, I don't, don't think we want to jinx them and talk about the Stanley Cup. So we'll move to the next question. It was, <laughs> who are the best wingers for Matthews to play with? And I said, for me, I'll leave this one off. Uh, I think right off the bat, I'm okay with either Marner or Lionel, but the guy that has to play with him, he's one of those guys. It's almost like Phil Kessel playing with Tyler Bozak. Zach Hyman has yeah. to play with Matthews. It just seems to be something that just works with the two of them. And I don't really think the other, on the other side, it really matters much. No, I, between, I don't between think Marner or high, uh, Nylander actually. Well, either that or the only other scenario I could see with, with that is maybe putting Simmons on the right side with him well, and putting someone else on the left side. But I agree with you. Yeah. If it's, if it's not a guy like Simmons who plays a very similar style to, to Zach uh, Hyman, I would put Hyman there for sure. But there is a possibility that maybe you put Simmons on the right side and you put someone else on the left side. And, uh, yeah. you know, uh, so that, that, that's a possibility to look at too. But right now I would say Hyman and Marner would be my pick right now. Yeah. And I mean, and that's your, yeah, your comment and, 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 and Simmons isn't lost because uh, that, I mean, listen, oh. if that becomes fruition, 
that means this team has stepped up immensely because remember he's oh. projected to be fourth line, third line at best Simmons. Oh, he can, well, I think he can play in their top six. If I he can, he if can, he can do that, then that's a big win. Yeah. Because that makes their third line stronger. And then that makes their fourth line stronger. So, you know, I mean, I think Wayne Simmons can play in their top six if he's given that opportunity because you know, you have him on one line and Zach Hyman on the other, the second line or first, second, whatever way you want to put it. They're both similar players. They go in, they, they retrieve pucks and they get them to the other guys. So you need that almost on every line uh, to be successful. Well, speaking of the one guy, where do, what about this, now this next question? Where do we see Mr. Thornton, who got just a little over 13 minutes of ice time when San Jose last year, who was not a good hockey team? Uh, where do you see him playing with Toronto this year? Uh, Fourth line center, third line center. Is he going to be up and down the lineup as Keith sees fit or power play specialist and maybe a little more? You know what? I think, first of all, I think he'll be counted on for faceoffs mm -hmm. uh, in certain situations. He, he is a good faceoff guy. Mm -hmm. I, I don't see him playing fourth line. I see him playing third. Worst case scenario, may have to move him to the wing or move Kerfoot to the wing. You know, who knows? I mean, but I don't see him playing on the fourth line. I see him playing third line, worst case scenario. Well, it brings us to the next question. Next one we've already addressed is sort of where Bogosian fits in, and we've kind of addressed that already, so we'll pass that one. But uh, the next one is, which trio makes the most sense for the third line? And you're looking at Robertson, Thornton, Simmons, Robertson, Kerfoot, and Simmons, uh, Versi, Vessi, pardon me, Kerfoot and Simmons, or Kerfoot, Thornton, and Simmons, or somebody else. Um, you know what? I, I, I mean, again, everything's kind of up in the air. I think everybody's assuming Simmons is going to play on the third line yep. automatically. I, you've got my personal opinion is he can play in the top six and he can contribute and be a big part of that top six Robertson. I mean, we're still in, in VC. Uh, there are a few guys that I think we got to see a little bit more of. And we can't, we can't even count those guys as everyday players, I don't think, right now. Um, uh, Robertson got a little bit of a taste last year in the, yep. in the playoffs. VC was okay in Buffalo, but he wasn't exceptional. And uh, so, I mean, you know, you, you still got to see. And, and, you know, I think Thornton would be a good line, third-line centerman. Uh, Joe knows how to play in both ends of the rink. He's a good face-off guy. It's just a matter of you know, does Simmons play in the top six? If he doesn't, then yes, he's on the third line. I wouldn't put him on the fourth line. And, uh, you know, who knows who, who uh, you know, you got you got several other guys. Uh, I, know, I can't, the names avoid, avoid my memory as it's it's horrible <laughs> right now, but uh, the Russian kid that- uh, Marbanov. The, the soup guy there. Uh, oh, yeah, well, no, we, we got him in the top six. And you got Engel. And you got Engel. And Angball's there too. That's the guy that like I was saving him. You don't want to forget about him. He no, made an I impact mean, last year. Like there's a guy right there that probably is a real solid third line guy. Absolutely. And can kill penalties. And so, you know, you see maybe Thornton, if Simmons doesn't crack the top six or they don't give him an opportunity there, then you got Simmons, Thornton, and Engball. Well, that's a pretty good checking line if they, you know, I mean, you know, that, yep. in my personal opinion, I, I don't see, you know, I, guys like Robertson, 
I think there are guys that if they don't play in your top six, they don't play. That, in my opinion, because I think your third line has to be a good, solid, you know, 200 foot line. And your fourth line has to be somewhat of an energy line, get things going. Well, I think that uh, the kid, uh, well, I mean, I'm, I, I, I don't disagree with you, but on this one, we'll, we'll agree to disagree a little bit on this one, because I'm going to say, I think Kerfoot's going to get a shot to keep his center spot, even though he looked better in the wing near the end of the year. I also think they're going to give Robinson a better look. He's going to have to start there because I don't think he can crack the top six just yet in training camp, but he may end up there before the season's out. And the other side, I think, is going to come down to Engville or Barbanov because I think there's Barbanov, they're high on him. He's going to get a shot. And then your fourth mm -hmm. line is going to be a battle with – uh, you know, Thornton will be there. You're going to have Jason Spezza. Simmons will be there. And then there's a couple of the Fords. Vessi's going to be there also. So there's going to be a number of other guys that are going to be competing for spots too. So if well, that the works. Thing, the good thing, Mike, is that we're talking about all these different scenarios, which means there's competition for every exactly. single job. And, that's and, the and biggest point. You're that's right. That's what I like. I agree, Squid, 100%. That's you know, the key, is there's and, competition for jobs. Yeah, even on defense, it's the same scenario. Yep. I mean, there's competition throughout the entire lineup. And to me, that's nothing but a, a very, very positive thing. Well, and, and, and by the way, we haven't even mentioned the kid that was supposed to be Rasmus uh, Sandin, who was supposed to be almost a, a given to make the team. We haven't even got him in the top six. Yeah, well, no, exactly. Well, he may need another year in the American Hockey League. You yep. never know. And, Which is fine. Get him over ready. And that's okay. I mean, you know, I saw him when I played that guys were brought in way too early, and it's not a bad thing to play in junior for another year or two or the American Hockey League for a year or two because, like, it is a big, big jump from junior or the American Hockey League to oh, the National question. Hockey League. Oh, and so I just love the fact that we're talking about all these names and there's competition throughout the entire lineup. And for me, that is going to be really, really important. What's well, just going to be Keith's hardest job is keeping everybody happy because there's only so many pucks to go around and there's only so much ice. So, you know, that's going to be well, his I mean, challenge. And, you know, as a coach, that, that's what you, you want. You know that. I mean, that's what you want. And, uh, you know, it's not, and it's not like the old days where the rule was like, it was, I called it the 21 rule where you had seven players that loved you, seven hated you. Yeah. Your, your job was to keep the seven that <laughs> were undecided away from the seven that hated you. So, yeah, um, you know, and, and I'm sure that <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what you had to do in the eighties and, and the seventies and that sort of thing. But yeah, so, but it's true. You're right. Yeah. It, so, somebody's always, well, speaking of being unhappy, how about this? And here's the next loaded question for you. We've been talking about Freddie, Jack Campbell. Showed his wear last week or last year. Good teammate, good solid backup. Somebody they've been lacking somewhere they've been lacking the last couple of years. Uh, you know, since we uh, lost our guy, we won't mention anymore. But um, how many games does he get this year? 15, 20, 25, 30? Well, I guess a lot depends on how many games they play. Yeah, it's a 48 game schedule, we'll call it. So let's leave that number aside then. So I cut would that say, in half. You know, I mean, well, it depends on what, the, I mean, there's a lot of talk about them playing. Uh, you know, flying out and playing like two or three nights in yeah, a row yeah, and yeah. that sort of thing. So that plays into it too, if, if that happens, but if it's kind of a normal schedule where they're not playing, you know, back to back all the time or three nights in a row, whatever, uh, I would say 15 might be a little high. Maybe I would say 10 or 
Well, maybe 15 out of four, out of 48. Yeah, it's a 30. I mean, that's, I mean, and then you got a nice fresh Freddie who's basically playing regular season minutes then because if he gets 30, that gets him up to, if he, they go somewhere in the playoffs that, you know, you're talking another 20 games if they had to be, that's 50 games, right? So that yeah. Yeah, keeps I mean, him right in. I don't know if I'd give him 15 if it's 48, but, you know, it'd be somewhere between 10 and 15. So well, it depends how he's there. playing. And depends. And again, goalies are so strange. If he gets hot and starts playing well, let him let him go. And let and if Freddie gets hot and he's feeling good, well, you know, it's well, and that's the other variable is uh, if Freddie stumbles and like he normally he has been yeah. earlier in the seasons in the last few years, that maybe that's when you have to kind of go, you know, alternate them maybe for the first fifteen games or something and see what happens. Well, I think we, uh, the, uh, so, and speaking of another curious uh, move for the lineup, which player, first year player, are you curious? This is for the question thrown at everybody out there regarding where he will play in the lineup. Now, the guys they've chosen for this list that Terry chose were Nick Robinson, Alexander Barbanov, and uh, Mikio uh, Lettinen. Well, they got to make the team first. <laughs> you know, I mean, nothing's written in stone that those guys are even going to be on the roster. I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, they're, they're good. They're all good players. They come with, you know, good. Everybody's talking really good things about these three guys. Well, let's say we they made a little the bit of Robinson last year. Yeah. You know, well, and I think, I think he can play at that level. Yeah. He's going to have to show that rather quickly because this is a short season. Don't forget. Well, I think you and answered they, it already though, because this is where the player you're most curious about where they'll play in the lineup. So you've touched on it already. You think he can play in the top six. So that would be, well, no, what I'm saying is, is I think he's a top six type player. I don't know if he's a third or fourth line guy that can play that role. I, I hear what you're saying. So he would be a guy that you would pick that if he's playing in the top six, that's a big win for the Leafs. Oh, well, there's no question about that. If he's in your top six and he's playing well, then that just makes your third and fourth lines that much better and, uh, and yeah. that much stronger. And, and again, the depth. And it also opens up the possibilities of moving someone in your top six for some really good prospects it, or, or draft picks down, you know, mid-season or whatever. Exactly. Well, that brings us then, well, my guy I would have picked out of that was, I mean, he is kind of the obvious guy to look at because he did get the taste last year. But I'm going to go with uh, Latinen because I think that uh, he could be, he could, I'll call him as a diamond in the rough that comes out of camp that surprises people. Just it just seems the way they're talking about it and they're trying to keep it low key and the way he's just been comparing and coming over, it looks like hopefully he gives us that little surprise. Well, now, we hope he does, but. Oh, we do want that. I yes, mean, there's, there's no guarantee in those situations and uh, adapting from the European big ice surface and coming over here and playing in the National Hockey League. Uh, there's a lot of. Uh, differences well, there. there is yeah i mean and again language and all that's all the things and lifestyle and all that and speaking of all those things if the leafs don't make the play or if the leafs assuming the leafs make the playoffs what becomes of dubas if the leafs fall to make it past the first round again or fail to make it past the first round again fire him he's had more than enough time to build a winner nothing stay in the job because there's plenty of work to be done well, I, I would say that he wouldn't be going anywhere. And I say that because really he's only been the guy in charge for what, two years now. Yeah. It'll be two. So, you know, I mean, I, I think you got to give him another, another year to see if he can, you know, turn things around because 
he's really technically only been in charge of of everything for a couple of years now. So I, I think you definitely give him another opportunity. Now, what about the coach? Uh, the feeling on the coach, it's only been a year and he really, the sample size is still not really big enough, but how's the confidence level? We'll say, I'm, I'm sort of paraphrasing the question here, but is it high, it's okay? Or if the Leafs don't make the playoffs, the two of them would get a ribbon tied around their heads. Well, they don't make the playoffs. That's a different story. <laughs> yeah, or they get I beaten mean, in the first round. Well, I, you know, again, I think, you know, considering that he's only have, he's only had uh, basically a year, um, you know, you got to look at, you know, how well the team played under him, which I think they played pretty darn good. Yep. Uh, with the exception of the failure in the first round or the play in round this past season. But, um, and with a short season this year, I mean, you, you can't get, you can't make, those drastic changes in the coach and the general manager based on that. I, I think you got to give them more time. There's got to be more to it than that. And I mean, and then speaking of which there's been some moves and this is usually the first sign of a coach uh, getting uh, his warning. He, maybe not a pink slip. Maybe he's getting what, what's the, uh, he's maybe getting what's the difference between red and pink, that color in between he's getting, what is that? <laughs> he's getting that color slip already with the change in the assistant general managers or assistant coaches. With uh, the two new guys being brought, a couple of new guys being brought in with uh, Mahaltra and McLean. What do you think these moves are? These significant moves for the Leafs? Are they they're not going to make a difference one way or the other, or they set the Leafs back? Uh, you know what? I, I'll be honest with you. I think it's going to really help. I agree personally, with that. I uh, think Paul McLean, I think, is a good coach. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Mahaltra really hasn't been at it that long, but I, I think he'll add something. And the reason I say that I think these are real good moves is these are a few guys that played in the National Hockey League and had pretty good careers and played a yeah. long time. And, you know, I don't think he can overlook that fact that no, 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 the, no. the guys that they had in there before as their assistants never played at that level. So, and of course, McFarlane, uh, McFarlane or whatever his name is, I mean, he'd have to go be the yep. GM and coach of Kingston in the OHL. So, I mean, he left on his own accord. I mean, it's not like he was pushed out, but I like guys that played in the league and then have coached for a little bit. Paul McClain has been coaching for been coaching? 30, no, 30 years, probably. It can't know? hurt. It can't no, hurt. No, no, I think it's going to make it make them stronger. To be quite and it makes them, yeah, I think it makes them stronger and I wouldn't disagree with that. And it gives, uh, it gives Sheldon Keith some really good help as well well that's the it gives them a, a, another ear to listen to and yeah. a voice and a yeah. voice that comes from experience and has played in the league and coached in the league so i mean that is yeah. definitely going to be a help. It, it can only be a positive i like to have seen our buddy gabby there but well that's another story yeah but i don't think that was going to happen gabby as an assistant yeah, he plays for the leafs everybody would be looking at that as you know, and Sheldon, I mean, I don't think that's a good thing for Sheldon. No, I, I and, and you know what? I get that totally because everybody bit in cheerleading for that was, that would have been fair to Keith because yeah. no, even absolutely. though Boudreaux told us he would, he would take that job, but you know, right away, the first day he's the, the, the first loss, they're going to be crying for Boudreaux to be yeah. head coach. Well, so. I'm, if I'm the general manager, that's the last thing I'm even thinking of doing. Yeah, is, that's because I got the coach I like. He's a coach that coached for me in, in major junior, uh, and I'm the guy that brought him in. I want other guys that, you know, that'll, that'll be there to help him. And I think, I think those are great 
moves by the team to bring those two guys in. Well, I think uh, we're getting near the end here. We get a couple of questions left to go, but so we could be dragging this on a little bit, but uh, we got a glimpse of the line featuring Matthews, Tavares, and Marner in game five against Columbus. Do the Leafs, you and I were talking about this a little bit off air, do the Leafs have the kind of depth at four that allows Keith to go with that look on a more regular basis? Yes or no? No, definitely not. I, I think, I mean, you're taking probably your three top skilled guys <laughs> and putting them all in, in yeah. you're putting all your eggs in one basket, I guess, the, the saying that's used. I think you move you move them around a little bit. I now I, I don't have a problem with after a penalty, you kill a penalty off throwing them out there because more than likely the the other team's third or fourth line is coming out. So, and that's what he that's what they've done in the past. So yes. I, yeah, I, I don't see that as a problem. But 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 keeping them together full time, nah, I, I don't think that that's a good thing to do. No, I mean, it's a nice... It weakens your second line. It's a nice option if in the last couple of minutes or if there's a five-on yeah. power play, obviously they put them on. But I mean, we're somewhere you want to get a little bit of juice going for a couple of minutes here and there, but not regular. No, I, I, I no, don't think I, so. That that breaks up what they're trying to to set and the standard they're trying to establish as a hockey club. So I, I would think that that's not, that, that's not going to happen. Well, I think we've come to near the end of our couple of questions left in there that we're just going to kind of leave. We don't want to jinx them with those, uh, those answers. So we're going to leave it at that. But um, I think right now, anything to add well, like a, so a quick little summary. What do you think there squid as a result of that little survey as Leafs as a whole, a lot of wait and see, isn't there? there yeah, unfortunately there is a whole lot of wait and see. I mean, you got guys coming from Europe that have never played North America in North America uh, in junior or in semi-pro, I mean, minors or, or the NHL, you got some older guys coming in that have, that have been great players in the NHL, but they're getting a little bit older. But they do have the experience of going a, a, a little bit of a long way in the playoffs. So, I mean, wow, it's like, you know, you, yeah, you've done a lot of good things, I think, to make this team much better than it, than it probably has been. Yeah. But there's just too many wait and sees and how's this guy going to do? How's this guy going to do? I mean, it, it's kind of like, let's see what happens out of, out of camp. No, you're right. And, uh, uh, you know, listen, the thing about this is, is the fact that you, we always want that element of surprise. It's going to happen both bad and good. And the one thing is, it's all about the depth. And I know yeah. that's a very cliche statement, but it's how the depth plays. So what you want, though... We can't see that Thornton and Simmons and Spezza are the best players on the team. They certainly can't be that. But what they can do is provide elite depth positioning for the Maple Leafs when they are on the ice. That's, that's what they do need and that leadership and experience that they can bring. But they can't certainly be your best players because, again, well, no. we mean, don't know what's left and what they have left to offer. What you need to do is and then we need to see the Latinans of the world. You need Bogosian. All these guys step up and provide that depth. And even Jack Campbell has to have, when he plays, he's got to be on his toes and he's got to be solid, obviously, because if they can put, they if they can start there, it can just work up from there. And you, you got to hope that the elite players are going to do their jobs. Well, and that's, that's the key. I think, uh, you know, I mean, uh, but the, the, the biggest thing that I, that I, that I'm really excited, excited about with their roster is that, 
we talked about it earlier is there's a lot of competition for mm -hmm. spots in, yes you know on everywhere throughout the lineup and i i love i, I love great. competition i love the fact that they're all battling for their their jobs and you know some of them are going to end up in the american hockey league unfortunately but that's a good thing I, I agree with you 100%. Hey, listen, I'd love nothing better than to see Wayne Simmons playing with um, uh, playing with Matthews. Yeah. That's good. Now, that can tell you one of two things. One, the other guys aren't playing very well, okay, and they have no choice. What we hope is that everybody's playing to their ability, and he's just playing one step better. And yeah. if you can ever get and, – and that can only be a good thing. So he's got something to prove to himself, to his family, to his friends from a positive standpoint. Thornton wants to show he's got something left. So there's lots of motivation from a lot of these guys. And Spezzin now has got some company. Yeah, and, no, you know I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I think, he, you know, all these guys they brought in, Brody and Bergosian and Thornton, and, you know, they all have a little bit left and they want to show everybody that they do. They don't yep. want to go out as guys that were, signed to minimum salary uh, contracts and didn't do a darn thing to help the team. So they got a lot to play for. Nope. And it's good. I mean, I think we're going to be watching with very great interest as we always do this, usually not this time of the year, because usually we're analyzing the team after 20 games or so. Yeah. But <laughs> right. yeah. We will wait and see 20 days from now. Hopefully they are getting ready to, well, 20 days from now will actually be Christmas Day. So it won't be the day, but it'll be the next day. They hope they'll be having a training well, camp The session. NBA are going to be playing 20 days from 20 now. 20 days, they'll be playing 20 days from now. So let's, anyway, now we want to bring you uh, our, our interview with Austin Matthews from a couple months ago, just during the lockout period. And just listen to what uh, the young man has to say. The one that I got shut out of. The one you got shut out from. <laughs> so I think, so how's things uh, go? How's the weather down here today, by the way? Uh, it's a little warm. It's a little warm. I'm not sure uh, it's too appealing to really anybody, but uh, it's, it's getting into those months of the, of the summertime where it's 105 every day, all day. So uh, not much to do outside, uh, you know, for the majority of the day, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things uh, we want to, I mean, of course, one of the things we want to talk about is, you know, here, is this, is this probably been the longest time you've been off skates since you've been a kid, like playing any kind of competitive hockey? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, I think from like my first year to like my third, fourth year, like the off seasons, I've taken more and more time off of skating, but obviously this is a bit, uh, this is a bit of a different situation. So definitely, uh, the most time off I think I've had, uh, just not skating and just kind of unwinding. So how's the uh, how's the training going? Uh, it's good. It's good. I mean, it's been uh, it's been a bit different than your I guess average uh, your average off season, but been uh, you know making the most of it and, and doing everything I can to to stay in shape and, and just be ready. Now you've got a uh, you got a built-in road hockey goalie living with you, so I you know yeah. There, is there any matches going on in the driveway? <laughs> no, I lucked out. I lucked out having him here. Just. Uh, somebody to shoot on and just kind of, uh, you know, I guess go through this with, uh, whether it was shooting pucks, shooting hoops, uh, just nice to kind of have somebody with you, right? Just to kind of pass the time. So uh, here's one of the questions I've been getting back to the training, just uh, for the, for got a lot of young viewers out there watching today. What, uh, take us through one of your workouts, like what you would do throughout the day as a training session. Um, I mean, I've kind of done some different stuff, uh, you know, here, I think I'm, starting to kind of get away from uh like heavy weightlifting i think and just trying to kind of get my body uh 
just kind of feeling good and, and just kind of moving as well as I can. Cause I mean, I'm pretty big and pretty strong, but you know, I want to, you know, kind of be able to move like, uh, like some of these smaller guys are able to move. So just kind of been trying some different stuff and, uh, hopefully it kind of works out. Yeah. So have you been able to get on the ice at all in your, uh, quarantine period or down isolation? Yeah. Period? Yeah. No, I, I have been to get on the ice. Um, uh, I'm lucky. Um, so, you know, I've been kind of trying to keep everything, uh, you know, shake the rust off and kind of stay in shape and just kind of you get your timing and everything back, but obviously it's nothing like, uh, you know, competitive NHL practice. Right. So just yeah. trying to, trying to stay in that kind of, uh, that kind of motion and stuff. So when I am back, I can adjust quickly. The, the next thing now, psychologically, you're sitting at home in your training, but nothing is like being at the rink or in the, your own real gym at the rink. Do you have to, did you have to motivate yourself a little more to, to push yourself to, to stay training as hard as you do? Yeah, a little bit. I think, uh, I mean, I don't think there's really any extra motivation. Obviously, uh, we're hoping that we can come back and play and there's obviously a Stanley Cup up for grabs. So, um, you know, I think that's as uh, as much motivation as you need right there. Well, actually, well, I, so I was going to say to you, now is Freddie's landlord, what are the, uh, who designates the chores around the house? You? No, I think it's a joint, uh, it's a joint uh kind of production i think everybody just kind of pitches in and does their part but um i mean he's uh he's one of my closest friends on the team and obviously he's like uh, he's like family to me so i didn't uh i didn't hesitate to to kind of invite him down here and stay with me and i mean he was nice enough to get me this really really nice uh expensive coffee machine to kind of say uh say thank you for letting uh letting him stay here so it was very nice of him he didn't need to do that well, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So I think that. So here's a couple of things here. I mean, Rick, if he can join us in here, we're just, we're going to get to him at some point. As it, when you played in the uh, North American World Cup for the North American team in World Cup mm -hmm. as a rookie, did that? Uh, how much impact that that have on you, or take some of that anxiety you might have had as a rookie with high expectations coming into the Toronto camp? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of one of those things. Uh, you know, I didn't really know what to expect, right? Like, I, I'd never. You know, I'd play at some high levels. I played in, in the world championships uh, against NHL guys. Uh, you know, in the Swiss League, you're playing against some ex-NHL ex veterans. So I didn't really know what to expect kind of going into it. Obviously, uh, a lot of talented guys on the team. So I knew uh, for myself I was, uh, you know, starting off kind of as that 13th forward. So I kind of needed to earn my earn my role and, and earn my position uh, on the team. And, you know, I was lucky enough to have guys around me that I've, uh, you know, known in the past or played with in the past to kind of help me adjust. But uh, I think that was nice to, to kind of have that, uh, that experience prior to my first NHL camp, just to, you know, I think psychologically just, you know, knowing that I can, I can play and that I belong out here with some of the best players in, in the league and obviously uh, competing at a pretty high level uh, in that tournament. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, and you, and you can see it. And I mean, I think the other thing, too, is a lot of you guys are all roughly the same age, all within a couple of years of each other. So I think that also that bonding amongst all of you must have gone a long way, too, especially when you're away from the rink. And it, you know, because like, you're all basically in the same boat. No, it, it absolutely did. And I think, um, you know, the biggest, uh, I think the biggest moments that we had, I think of, you know, you want to call bonding was, you know, definitely came outside of the rink and, um, you know, just, dinners and, and stuff like that and you know having a couple beers together and just kind of talking and just kind of bonding so i think that stuff's super important and like you said we're all around the same age all kind of you know going through uh, i guess similar things i guess uh, as far as our careers and you know how they're just kind of starting so 
uh, it was definitely uh, an amazing experience. Which leads me to the next part that we're going to ask is Patrick Marlowe. Now, there is a veteran who's been around, Hall of Famer to be for sure. Uh, and there's a guy that became a big brother to you and a number of the younger guys. I mean, we obviously we knew it, it seems like he was such a great guy. What was it about him that, that made this attraction and this bond with you and the other guys? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, honestly, he's just such a selfless person. Um, you know, anything, he, he's just the guy that's always going to be there for you, no matter what the, the situation is or the scenario. And I think that's kind of something that, um, you know, a lot of us kind of learn from him and just, you know, how he – uh, how he engages with with each individual, with each uh, each teammate, staff member. I mean, he's the ultimate professional. So, um, no, those two years that uh, that I had with him uh, were special ones. And you know, even though we're not playing together anymore, I mean, he's, he's a guy that uh, you know he's a friend for life. So, I'm really fortunate that I got the opportunity to play with him and then obviously uh, create that bond. Yeah, and I mean, you can see that almost filter throughout that uh, club because I, as I as I suspect just the way you guys like you guys all liked each other yeah i mean you could just you could see the way you guys you can tell when guys play together whether they actually like each other or not and that's not always the case in professional sports yeah i think it's different for for everyone and uh, i mean i've been lucky in my four seasons in toronto i mean we've had great great teams great guys um you know sometimes you can have a bad egg and, and that can kind of put a bit of a damper on the team but I mean, in my four years, it's just been all, uh, you know, all, all great guys, um, you know, whether they're still in Toronto or not, they're guys that you know, you're going to have relationships with and friendships with for, for life. So I, I feel really fortunate for that. And obviously, uh, Patty's one of those guys. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I mean, OK, so let's you were approaching. We don't want to we want to we want to appease the hockey gods and not throw any jinxes at it. But you were approaching that magical number with a five in front of it. and. Now, was there a point in time when you actually thought that that was possible to reach that? I mean, obviously, when you got to 47, but before that. And I only say that because now, Rick, if he'll join us here at some point, yeah. when Rick was – he was 22, by the way, when he, he scored the – we both scored 50 for uh, the first time as a Maple Leaf. Um, he said when he got to be at 45 goals, he hadn't – he realized never before had a Toronto player scored 50. Yeah. He didn't even know at that point. So what was your thoughts on all of that coming in? Um, I mean, to be honest, I just try to kind of keep my mind off it for the most part. But, uh, you know, I think in the back of my head, I mean, I, I know what I, I'm capable of and uh, the expectations and the goals that I set for myself, are, I think, are higher than anybody else's uh, are going to be. So, um, I mean, I think it's always in the back of your head, especially when you're kind of creeping up towards that number. And, um, yeah, it's I mean, it's unfortunate uh, I wasn't able to – to obviously complete, uh, you know, that, that goal. And obviously with some games left, but I mean, I think everything happens for a reason and I'm sure, uh, you know, I'm hopeful to get another crack at it. Well, I think you will. I, 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 I'm a bit of a bet man the odd time. So I'm betting that you <laughs> get another shot to do that. I'm sure. Austin. Thank you. Now, I think that uh, one of the things that I, uh, I, I'd ask you is I, I'd be, now, I, when I followed the Leafs for every game last year and documented, I used to always check the warm-ups for you guys. And one of the things, well, let me set you up like this before I say that. What are, Do you have any pre-game rituals or any sort of pre-practice rituals that you do? That Because every play, hockey player has got something they do that just, you know, just every day they do this. It's a cre we're all creatures of habit yeah. when it comes to the game. Yeah, I do, like, I do a lot of kind of, like, funky stuff, but I think it's just, I guess your routine that you're going through and it just feels right. So for myself, I mean, um, 
you know, I like to get to the rink pretty early. Uh, I'm usually one of the first guys there and just, I don't like to really be rushed. So whether it's a practice or a game and, uh, you know, I like to have a little bit, a uh, little bit of a snack and then just kind of get into my, my whole routine, tape my stick, um, you know, just kind of get everything aligned, get my, uh, like my end game drinks kind of going like a bio steel or something like that. And, um, you know, get some treatment, um, stretch, uh, kind of do all these, uh, these stretches in my warm up all in the, in the same order every time. And then, you know, I get dressed, I put on the, uh, the left, you know, like my left shin pad first, uh, my left sock, left skate, um, yeah. weird stuff. And then for some reason, when I get to like my, oh, I always put my right elbow pad on first and then, um, I don't know, just like weird stuff, right. That, I don't know. I guess when you think about it, it sounds crazy, but it's just kind of one of those psychological things. And then, um, you know, I say a prayer uh, before I head out to warm ups, and then it's kind of just uh, game mode from there on. Well, one of the things I noticed, and, and it did stand out after my following, I guess, after going 89 games. I mean, I, I did notice after a while in the warm ups, you and Mitch were always last guys to leave the ice. And it, I, it caught me a few games to catch it, but I would notice it too. Every game, then I started looking for it, that you would put a puck in the red dot of the face-off circle on the shooting yeah. end, and you'd be on one knee you'd take a few shots but then again you guys were always the last guys to leave the ice and you'd flip a few pucks around and make a few dazzling passes and then toss a few pucks to the kids i actually made some good graces with kids who i'd see the kids with the signs and i tell them they were trying to get a puck i'd tell them where you would go because you guys threw them almost invariably at the same yeah, spot yeah. all the time but what started that end of the pregame skate ritual uh, i mean it's good that you're reminding me of this stuff because a lot of it i've already forgotten so once we get back to playing i'm <laughs> gonna need you to maybe send me this uh this interview <laughs> so i can go back and make sure i'm doing all my crazy stuff but yeah i usually uh like yeah i come and meet freddie kind of uh probably halfway through warm-ups and then he goes in the net and yeah i put a puck there that uh that i end up shooting um probably a couple minutes later but um, I don't really know what started. I've always kind of liked being the, the last guy off in warmups. And I think my first year, um, you know, McCulloch was the, was the guy that liked to be the last yeah. one off. So obviously I respected him veteran guy and, um, you know, let him do his thing. And then obviously once, uh, once he was no longer with us, I was always kind of last guy. So, um, and then I think just, you know, it's cool. I think our warmups, we, we, we tend to fill up the, the stands quite well. And there's a lot of kids that, you know come down with signs and stuff like that so i mean i don't really see uh, a problem kind of taking five seconds out of your warm-up to toss a kid a puck and kind of make his day so i think that's yeah. what uh, that's what the game's all about and i think it's i don't think it's something that myself or, or mitchy are going to stop doing well i'm sure you saw it but i saw a couple smiles on the faces when they'd run after me and follow me after and then show me the pucks and it was it's it's worth it, believe me. You're putting big smiles in some pretty big kids' faces. So, yeah, of course. I think it's, I know you're probably on the run and you're pretty busy. So one more question here, just for some of the people out there. Now the dressing room, we we touched on that before. Who's the who's the? Well, I was going to ask you if PlayStation. Maybe this would be a double question. Who's the best Xbox PlayStation player in the team, and who's the biggest clown? Um, I'd say the best Xbox or PlayStation player would probably have to be uh mitch marner or zach hyman uh Hyman started his own gaming company so he, he takes it pretty seriously he's pretty dialed in um and then the biggest clown um i don't want to say clown but no jokes sure okay, yeah the, the joke the jokester the jokester for sure is uh is justin hall he's got 
quite the sense of humor. Um, you know, just a nice guy to be around. Always makes a laugh. So uh, I'd have to go with him. Awesome guy. Well, that's awesome. Well, listen, Austin, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Uh, I can't believe Squid missed it all, but I don't know what happened to him. He probably pushed exit by mistake. Yeah, who knows? I was looking forward to talking to Rick. Well, what we're going to do, though, is when we do that day event, eventually happens. We're not going to, again, remember the hockey guys we're watching? Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to get you back on the podcast if we can, and uh, we'll have a little chat with him about it. Yeah, that'd be great. I, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, my man. Listen, thanks very much, Austin, and the best of luck to you, and uh, looking for you to get back here sooner than later. All right. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Well, Squid, that, uh, for, I hope people enjoyed that interview with Austin. That was done a number of months ago, as we mentioned, uh, during it was lockout and he was in the training period. But it's interesting and, and very interesting to hear that everybody seems to think that this kid is so quiet and doesn't really understand, maybe he didn't understand what he was getting into a new act in Toronto. But, you know, after listening to him, he was very well aware of what the Maple Leafs stood for, about what it meant to be drafted first overall, what it meant to play in this city. And you could just tell that he, he got it like, you know, 18 years of age. And, you know, even though he's coming from Arizona, he understood the significance of getting drafted by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I think that tournament, uh, that playing for team, uh, North, North America. America was, was a big help to him too. playing at, at Scotiabank arena and, yep. and, and the other big buildings and playing with guys like McDavid and, and, and the likes I think that really probably helped him a lot, but um, I mean, how could you not know? I mean, obviously he, he obviously knows the pressures yeah. of coming to a place like Toronto and being the number one pick overall. And I think he's handled it pretty darn good. I mean, uh, well, obviously he did. He scored four goals in his first <laughs> game. So yeah, I so guess, it seemed to work out okay. Yeah, that I'm thinking, oh, okay. Well, that that's pretty. That's a pretty good start, <laughs> you know. And then. Ends up scoring uh, what did 47 he last 40, last year, and then 47 last year. So, yeah, I, I would say he's. Uh, yeah, he's I think he adapted well. pretty. I think he got it pretty quickly, didn't he? Yeah, I think. No, so. but he sound, you know, but but the nice thing to hear is that it 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 sounds like a lot of the teammates get along. He has a lot of respect for the veterans. I mean, what I what I mean is he's not a cocky, brash young kid coming in. He appreciated being drafted by the Maple Leafs. It is a significant happening in his life and any hockey player's life so some guys get that and some don't and it appears that he does appreciate for what it stands for and this guy wants to win i make no mistake about it it's not all about just being out there and uh, and playing the game you can tell there is some passion some fire in his blood yeah and you know what i i i actually saw that more last year than the previous years where i saw him using his his uh size uh take guys off the puck and, yep. and even in the defensive zone as well. So I think, you know, that's one of the things like it's not easy when you're 18 coming in here, even though he's, you know, he's, he's a big guy, but uh, he's got a unbelievable talent and he's added a little bit more last year of that physical play and the ability to knock guys off the puck that I saw. And I think that's going to, if he, if he can keep doing that, I think that's only going to make him a better player all around. Well, as we said, that interview was from back in June. And when we, we spoke to him, you and I, and although you got cut out of that because of a technical deal, difficulty, not yeah. ours, it's the other network that we were yeah. on doing this for is when we brought Austin on as our guest. But uh, he's back training again. But his training partner back in that day was Freddie Anderson when we were talking back in June. Yeah. He's got a little different training partner today as we speak. And a pretty good one. <laughs> a pretty, he's not bad. This kid's not, <laughs> this kid's okay. I think he has a shot to make it. Yeah. Well, I mean, Connor I, McDavid, of course, we're referring to. 
I mean, when you got you got Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid training together, like I mean, who wants to go on net? By the way, with those yeah, two, yeah, really. I mean, well, I'm not going on defense or in goal <laughs> with those two guys on the ice. Not a chance of that happening. But uh, you know, I mean, what they can pick each other's brains about and everything else, and and the competition. I mean, that that that's only going to make those two guys rise to a, an even higher level. But it's and, nice I mean, to see. It's, it's hard, nice hard to, to believe they can even go to a higher level, Mike. But well, well they possibly. and it, that's the thing. I was saying, it's nice to see two elite players like that training together, and it's, especially two on opposite teams. And by the way, they could be playing each other a lot this year in the Canadian. Yeah, division. that's right. Yeah, that's right. Possibly, and uh, uh, well, I believe they both have the same agent, and uh, yeah. sometimes that happens, you know. And uh, uh, but I mean, you know, I mean, for both of those guys, like you know, you couldn't get a better situation for for getting ready for the season i mean they're, you're training with each guy's training with well they, they're both two of the top probably five centermen in the national hockey league yeah and they're training together so you know what does that do for you man that's that's you know. got to be not well that's great for maple leaf fans because you know uh, the, the work ethic of connor david is apparently second to none maybe steven stamp goes is right up there but Boy, oh boy, that's uh, that's a good thing when you see a kid committing like that to train with the best in the game. So that's that's a good sign for Maple Leaf fans. And well, Squid, we're at that time again. We're at that time again where we've uh, we want to thank want to thank Elliot from uh, Sheffield, England, sending that question today, folks. If you can send us questions, we got a bunch this week. We're going to get to one every week. If you can send it in. They have a hockey team in Sheffield too, Mike. The uh, the minor team. Remember, uh, Jesse played for them. Jesse Schultz played for them. And he knew Jesse. And yeah. uh, yeah. And I met another family of three. I met them uh, during my trip. They came to Toronto and they were in their Sheffield. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was their characters. And, uh, you know, they were over (laughs) watching the Leafs play. And boy, oh, boy. So that's uh, the the hockey and Maple Leaf uh, Nation, as we said, has no boundaries. Yeah. So, folks, uh, any of your questions? Happy to get to them if we can. Send them to Mike at ultimateleafsfan.com. Uh, Squid and I will be back on the air next week. Uh, tune us in. We usually record Thursdays, so uh, you'll give us a little bit of uh, hopefully something between now and Thursday happens, and then we would drop on Saturday. So look for it, Squid and the Ultimate Leafs Fan, on our YouTube page. Uh, look for it, Rick Vive on Instagram. He's on Twitter, Ultimate Leafs Fan on, on YouTube. And we're on most of the podcast sites now, Spotify, iTunes, Podbean. And we're, so we're all over the place now, Squid, so there's no excuse, but I still have some of the old guys call them. How'd I tune you guys in? But just punch in YouTube, Ultimate Squid and Ultimate Leaf Fan, Squid and ULF, and you'll get us. Well, it's, it's like that old song, I've been everywhere. Yeah, we're yeah. everywhere, Mike. We are, we are, we are. And, uh, you know, that's it's, it's always a good thing. So, folks, we want to thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll talk to you guys all next week. Bye.